There are probably some books or films that have fundamentally shaped who you are as a person. Maybe it was a novel you read in elementary school. Maybe it was a film you watched as a young adult. Whatever it was, it shaped the way you viewed yourself and the world. Many consider J.R.R. Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings to be one such work. Both the books and the films have captured the hearts and imaginations of generations, and they still hold up. In the first episode of this series, we ask, why is The Lord of the Rings such a big deal? Why is narrative a big deal? All that and more on this edition of the podcast. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. Hey Riker, how you doing? Doing well. How are you? Oh yeah, pretty good. good. Every time we Friday. do the welcome fanfare, I feel like I really sound like a radio personality. Yes. I don't know. You gotta get that nice cadence. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to lower my voice like many, many decibels. No, not decibels. <laughs> what is the unit of hertz, I guess? I would have to yeah. lower it in pitch. That's what I mean. <laughs> anyway. New series we're starting today. Yes. Which is uh, pretty excited about it. Same, honestly. I mean, we could talk about Lord of the Rings for hours. We're not going to. I mean, we are going to throughout the course of this series, but not in this We episode. certainly don't want this to be, <laughs> to turn into a Lord of the Rings podcast. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> not against I think we're using it as a, a foundation. Yes. Yeah, right. to talk about narrative, to talk about story. It's also, sh- let's be honest, us. it's both of uh, one of our favorites when it comes yes. to books slash movies. I think when we first met in undergrad at the Moody Bible Institute of Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> I think that was one of the things that kind of brought us together was yeah. the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, agreed. That and worship music. Yeah. Honestly. Honestly, it was a great time. But yeah, I guess we can just jump in. There's not too much yeah. too much to say setup-wise, but yeah, we'll just go ahead and jump into the first question. All right. A question from the pew. Yeah, all right. The first question, why is Lord of the Rings such a big deal? Mm. I, mean, I don't know if there are any people who are actually asking that because I feel like it's so culturally ingrained at yeah, this point. It just is a big deal. But it's good to look back at why it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, or why it is what it is. I mean, I guess the one place to start is like it basically defined what the fantasy genre is. I don't know if the mm-hmm. fantasy genre existed in the 1950s or whenever it came out. I'm pretty sure 1950s. I think it did, but not. I don't think it. Uh, Became, 
I think Lord of the Rings was such a big part yes. of why it became a cultural mainstay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a lot of times like the the first people to do or like the first thing like MySpace or whatever. It doesn't become like the thing that defines the. You know what I'm saying? Like Facebook is much yeah. more like the thing that defined social network stuff. Or it wasn't iTunes or Spotify or what was the other one? Spotify Wait, is the big one. Spotify Pandora. Oh, oh yeah. Remember yeah, Pandora? I do. Or before that, Napster. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's where it's like, yeah, these those are like the proto yeah. versions. But then the I would say Lord of the Rings is the Facebook and or the Spotify and or the Amazon. I don't know. We are dating things. ourselves at this point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Tinder of uh, fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all that to say, I mean, a lot. So I, I'm not like a huge fantasy person. I mean, I enjoy like other fantasies. Like I haven't mm-hmm. watched uh, Game of Thrones or whatever, which I know a lot of people are excited about. Uh, but I think a lot of the like staples, like elves and dwarves and orcs, dragons, and you know those kind of things. <laughs> I mean, dragons are pretty old. They're before. Let's be honest. They're before J.R. Tolkien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think the like kind of just the aesthetic, almost like how everything looks. You know right. what I'm saying? And those kind of groups being present. Yeah. Well, he drew on a lot of folklore and mythology, um, you know, specifically, I guess, European type. Um, I don't know. Is Anglo-Saxon the right word? Because I know he was a, a Beowulf scholar. Oh, okay. Um, and, like, he translated Beowulf, and it was a pretty definitive translation, I think, for a little bit. Okay, nice. Um, I could be wrong on that. But I do know that he did a lot, He focused a lot of his work on uh, Beowulf. Nice. So no, yeah. it makes sense why a lot of these, I guess, creatures are Yeah, from familiar. that mythology or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, it's also just, I think part of the reason why Lord of the Rings is so, like, beloved, or I don't even, it just feels so much heavier than other, like, mm-hmm. fantasy things. And I think a part of it is rather than, you know, I'm going to write this story and I got to make all these cultures. He like made the, he's a linguist who created right. languages and then said, I should probably make a story that, you he know. He literally <laughs> built the world first yeah. and then was like, what well, am I going to do with this? <laughs> yeah. This is an interesting thing that I made. I guess I'll just write a book that, or a <laughs> yeah. few novels that will right. just change the world. Right. Which that's where like, I know a lot of people are pumped about like world building and that kind of getting lost in like the worlds of stories, which is fun. But I feel like he did it almost in a way, like he wasn't trying to do the world building thing. He just kind of, he just like made it. And then it was like, oh yeah, let's do a story. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I guess he's the first original world yeah. building. You know, he, I don't know if he's the first, but once again, yeah. definitive Well, that's world what makes builder. it so believable though, right? Because it's uh, like what you said, it, it, the cart didn't go before the horse in this instance. Like he had a, solid foundation upon which to build a narrative truly truly yeah and and a lot of these things i guess are like surfacey level it's like it has dragons and orcs and stuff um but i think it has staying power too just because of like like the themes which it is like mm-hmm. an epic it is you know good versus evil i guess those those stories don't really get old even if like i would say like the the trend in today's media is, you know, there's a lot of gray area. Like there's sympathetic villains are very prominent, mm. you know, uh, which I think is really interesting and I think it makes a good point. But the good versus evil thing doesn't really, 
or light versus dark it doesn't really go away mm-hmm. um and i mean some of his themes like like friendship or like companionship in dark times which obviously he's pulling from his world war one experience right um yeah, I mean, a lot of these themes are just, like, really interesting. The nature of, like, humanity, Yeah, you know. I think that's what makes it so believable, right? Yeah. It's fantasy, but it's believable It's believable because it's so familiar to, mm. um, to the human experience. It touches on so many different aspects and commonalities mm. of the human experience. So, like, the stuff that you said or themes like loyalty yeah. um, in the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Um, fear of insignificance in Eowyn's kind of um, story. Um, Corruption, which is obviously flows throughout the whole narrative as well. And a couple of others. Those are are at least three that immediately come to to mind as we as humans share in some of those aspects. So I think that's what makes it such a cross-cultural phenomenon. Totally. And a cross-generational one as well. thing that always gets me if we're talking like themes or whatever is kind of this decline of like uh extraordinary things over time which that was it's especially prevalent in the books but it's also in the movies too of this i don't know this like yearning for like ancient times like like basically Mm -hmm. in in tolkien's world like the ancient times are very like bombastic and like there's elves everywhere and there's angels everywhere and people are doing crazy stuff. But then like in the movies, like you might've heard, like, which is the third age of middle earth. So down the line a little bit is like, they keep saying like the time of the elves is over. It's like, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like men, like the time of men is like approaching or whatever. Uh, and I don't know, there's something about that of like, that I think a little bit on the Bible, which not to get into Bible stuff too much, but like, you know, it's like this, the tree of life, like, you know, if we talk about like Garden of Eden, things are like magical and awesome. And then like, you could, I think you you could make an argument in Genesis that like, it gets less and less like magical mm-hmm. or less and less uh, divine as yeah. time goes There's on. a disintegration. There's a yes. gradual disintegration in each narrative. Yes. Yeah. Which I feel like, I don't know, for whatever reason that like hits me. I don't know why, but anyway. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting to me that that is the kind of story that has um, that has ingrained itself in the culture and that has such a profound impact on the culture. But there's the counter narrative of humanity having the potential to progress. Yeah, yeah, to reach the pinnacle, to be the best version. Like, but the narrative that has stayed with us. The longest is the fact that we are messed up 
keep on we continue to mess things up for sure i find that really interesting yeah no i mean it is interesting well i one professor i think actually dr mcduffie from the moody bible institute uh, of chicago yes of chicago <laughs> Uh, well, he talked about that societies go through phases of optimism and pessimism. And so you can look at the narratives being written in that time and mm. uh, and like see, oh, this was a time of optimism or this was a time of pessimism. And he would say like right now we're in a time of pessimism because there's a lot of like, you know, apocalyptic uh, media, like zombie apocalypse and like all these mm. essentially imagining like dystopia and imagining what the future will look like. And it seems like it'll look bad. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, which, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily, I don't know if I'd categorize Lord of the Rings as that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if I'd categorize, but it is interesting. I mean, that's one thing where narrative reflects the, I guess the temperament the or times. the mood of the culture. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Right. But, but maybe that right. transitions well into the next, uh, yeah. The next question. Well, maybe just one one more thing on the oh, yes. why, no, it's a big, why it's a big deal. I think it's a big deal on both literary and cinematic fronts. Mm. I don't know how about how it was for you, but I was introduced first to the films, and then I thought these films are so great, I'm going to read the books. Same. Yeah. And I fell in love with the books as well, um, and they really both. I, I obviously there are differences, and some people are angry about the differences of the things that have been cut out sure. of the films. Um, but taking them as separate works, yeah, taking them as separate works or distinct works rather with their own kinds of, um, strengths, I think both of them really, um, still hold the, the, the core of the narrative together, but I don't feel like one is less influential or Mm -hmm. less timeless than the other. I mean, the films are what twenty? They were made twenty years ago now. That's the crazy thing is you watch them today and it's, it's incredible. They hold up. Yeah, literally they hold up. Same with the books, honestly. Um, they might not be everybody's cup of tea, <laughs> but they're definitely my cup of tea, and they're incredible. <laughs> Anywho, cool. no, that's fair. Yeah, I think both were. Yeah, both were phenomenons at the time of their release. Mm-hmm. All right, shall we? Shall we move on to the next question? Let's do it. All right. A question from the pew. Yeah, next question. Why is narrative a big deal? Mm. So yeah, just a more general question. We talked a little yeah. bit. I mean, we got very specific with Lord of the Rings, which is awesome. Right. Um, it's but yeah, a I guess, specific case in point. Yes. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. Why is story and narrative? That's a good question. Yeah. One one thing for me is that narratives, as opposed to, I'm going to use a, a big word here, like discourse or like prose discourse, where it's just an argument um, or a telling of ideas narratives get to our minds still i don't want to separate the that but the narratives get through our sorry narratives get to our minds through or by way of our hearts and our imaginations mm. um and i draw here a little bit on um james k a. smith's work about us being f- primarily feeling 
uh, beings. Or desiring. Uh, desiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sorry. From desiring. <laughs> it's from desiring the kingdom. We, we've mentioned yes. it before, but yes. we, are, we are not primarily um, thinking. thinking beings. Yes. Uh, we do think, but... Yes. Um, but we are primarily feelers. We are primarily emotive beings. Um, and so I think that's what narratives get at. I mean, if you think about it too, that's, that's the reason why the most ancient pieces of, of literature are not discourse, they're narratives, right? And the, the, the modern approach to cosmology, the, you know, the nature of the universe, um, is, um, is completely different from the way they approached cosmology in the in the ancient Near East. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but we've we've talked about that sure. over and over again. They ask similar questions, but they approach it from a very different vantage point. And they told sure. stories because they wanted to convey meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't convey meaning through just hard data, um, and that's what that's why narrative is so powerful. Um, I think because it gets at the core. Um, it, it seeks to change, authors use narrative, to seek to change minds mm-hmm. by getting at who we are at our core, which is, again, yeah. feeling beings. Yeah, totally. Well, that's what I think, yeah. I mean, just like you said, I think it's how we make sense of the world is through story. Uh, so even like what you were saying with like hard data, I mean, you look at what like a journalist does or just like a news article does, is it takes data, facts, events, and then it tells a story using mm-hmm. them. You know what I'm saying? Right. And obviously, depending on who's telling the story, it can look very differently, even right. if the you know facts or the events are the same. So that's where, I mean, literally in every in every way, we tell stories to ourselves to understand what's happening around us. That's just what we do every day. Um, it's how we connect to other humans. Uh, I think like shared narrative experiences or shared stories um is a way that like humans connect you know what i mean like i don't mm-hmm. there's been so many times it's, it's kind of well <laughs> let me just say it's been my uh uh i don't know it's been my pleasure to welcome ruth into the world of all the stories that i love <laughs> you know what I'm and like the best thing ruth is my wife if you don't know and like the best thing is when uh like something will happen in our life or whatever. And she'll be like, Oh, this is like, mm-hmm. you know, this thing from Lord of the Rings or, you know what I mean? Or mm-hmm. why is that person Gollum? And it's like, I'm with you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, which we shouldn't go around calling people Gollum. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Mark. <laughs> I don't know, Mark. I don't know, Mark either. Yeah. <laughs> is Mark going to be our scapegoat from here on out? Come on, Mark. <laughs> anyway. All that to say, I yeah, I think it's just it's how we connect one to just our experience as humans, like we tell stories, and then it's also a way that we like make sense or with a, a way that we connect with other humans with shared experience. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that's just generally, I would say. Um, but yeah, I don't know what you'd say about that. Yeah. No, I agree. It's it's. Um how we discern and assign meaning i think it goes both ways kind of like what you said with a newspaper like with what a journalist does they're concerned about the facts but to put it into a cohesive narrative and even those narratives like you can get two journalists right uh 
a story about the same event and they're coming at it from two different vantage points and you walk away with two different, you know, meanings of what right. happened or what right. transpired. And that's not even a and that's not even a, a fictional narrative. Right. Right? That's Yeah, they're both basic we're not even talking about, about making up thing. stuff. They're lying. It's just like, right. oh, this happened. And then yeah, there's a story of the context, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think there is a fine line between I guess going back to kind of like the fictional narrative of 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 Lord of the Rings or sure. even any kind of fantasy or novel or whatever, fictional yeah. novel. Um there's a fine line, I feel like, between making a good story and making a meaningful story. And part mm-hmm. of that is like goes back to the believability of the of the narrative. Sure. Um but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've yeah. got well, anything I think, substantive I think to say beyond that. <laughs> sure. Well, I think believability a lot of times is just like how true does this feel to the human experience? You know what I mean? Because the mm-hmm. most like grounded film you could have, of, like have you have you seen the, I mean I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it, the movie called The Room or whatever. No. It's like, it's just the most low budget crappy film. And it's it's so bad that it has like a cult following of people who like love it uh. because it's like so bad. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But it's, you know, I guess to me believability. So obviously you have like Star Wars or something where it's like people are doing things that obviously physics. We know that this is not a thing that, you know, is possible to do <laughs> or whatever. But like it doesn't matter because, like let's just say the story of Anakin Skywalker in Episode Three. Wow, we're getting in the weeds. I'm sorry if you nerd don't know alert stuff nerding out. But I'm just saying, like that story resonates like to the human experience. I think with a lot mm-hmm. of people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, I really. Yeah, I mean, I really relate to Jar Jar Binks in the <laughs> in that narrative. So, uh, my friend has a theory that Chewbacca is no less annoying than Jar Jar Binks, but he just doesn't get any hate. <laughs> anyway. We are we are far off the weeds. Uh, yeah, we're not even in the weeds. We're in the thicket at this point. We're in another field completely at this point. <laughs> yeah. All that to say, narrative is how we make sense of everything. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the problem is there's so much that could be said about that. Um, but I think, I think narratives shape what we desire, which I think that's mm-hmm. part of James K. Smith's thing is right. – um, People do essentially what they desire to, or what they want mm-hmm. to do. And so how do you shape desires? Yeah. And so his answer is like liturgy, which I would say is a type of storytelling. You know what I mean? Oh, it's, yeah. a, it's like repeated storytelling. You live mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. A so good liturgy, liturgy will tell a story. Yes, yes. So that's where um, I think with, with stories, they will shape what you desire. Uh, and if you just kind of go through life and you just, you know, I guess you just like kind of consume, but you don't think about what you're consuming. They're shaping your desires like behind the scenes, whether you know they are or not. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, So that's where, yeah, I mean, that's where I think the Bible can shape us. I don't think it's the only thing Mm -hmm. that should shape us. I don't, I'm not one of those crazies who say, no, no movies, only the Bible. (laughs) But at the same time, like they do, they do shape us. and that's like, I think that's why they're a big deal is we make mm-hmm. sense of the world through them. It's a kind of a, uh, a cycle of like, they shape us, we uh, shape them. yeah. And then we shape them, which is yeah. culture in general. Um, yeah. but narratives, especially. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't think I have much more to, to add to that. Great. Well, I guess, yeah, we can end it yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. Uh, it's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. And if you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that helps others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds or so and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd like to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way uh, and without giving away your information. Same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Reichert Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.